In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, my friend, Alan Fadden. Hello, Carla Nelson. Greetings. How are you today, my friend? Well, I'm feeling synergized. <laughs> yeah, that's because though this book that we're going to talk about today was one of the first business books that I ever read. And it was actually kind of new at the time. It wasn't, now it's, I think, gosh, it was published in 1989. So it's been around for quite some time. And uh, it is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. However, for this podcast, we're going to talk about The Seven Habits of Highly Defective People. But first, let's talk a little bit about the book. And it was written by Stephen Covey. Obviously, he's he's no longer with us, but an amazing author that has written. I, I think I might have read almost every single book he's written. And everybody knew when uh, Franklin Covey came around, I used to carry those big, you know, honking, um, uh, what were those things called? You know, the, oh, the planners. planners. I had like a new one every year and I kept it on my shelf. I probably did that for 10 years. My purse even had, was a Franklin Covey purse. And I, I, I held one around in a boat trailer for years. <laughs> and so uh, everyone knows in, in the time management, you know, there's so many things that uh, the author has brought to light in the business community. And this particular book, again, I said it was published in 1989, has sold over 25 million copies. And one of the interesting things I think in that you hear throughout the book is in obviously the seven habits of effectiveness. And he refers to a, a fable that most kids know as they're growing up, which is the goose that lays the golden egg, right? We don't want to kill the goose. We don't want to do the wrong thing. So the habits actually, um, you know, refer to the goose and then you do these habits and then you get the golden egg. So it's a real basic concept right, of, um, of that. And it outlines really, like, a lot of people can look at the same thing and, you know, see it different ways. Yeah, reminds me of our theme. People are different. <laughs> exactly. And so, and I really think that it identifies, in this theme, it becomes, you know, when people look at things differently in different ways, it can be a real big roadblock. Not only, you know, professionally, just personally as well, right? And so the solution to this that Covey goes through in the book is something that he calls, and I don't know if he created or coined the term because there's a couple things that he models uh, that he didn't create, but it's called the maturity continuum. And Covey breaks down these the maturity continuum in three uh, different stages of maturity, uh, that being dependence, independence, and then interdependence. Yeah, well, oh, and, with the, and the with the goal being getting to interdependence, right? Right, and, and and you know that's you can look at that in in somebody's life. You know, you're a baby, you're completely dependent, and then you experience your independence and the terrible twos, and you say no, no, no to everything, and then you know as you mature, you become inter interdependent, and there's a lot of things he's talking about there. Uh, but let's talk about the meaning of each of these in business, because mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a good parallel, I think. 
Yeah. And, and really he's, and he's explaining it that way. But at the end of the day, I think if it was explained that way, it would have been a little bit more of an understanding because in the book, it really, it identifies it in a different way, not specific just to business. Right. 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 So in business, think about a work model from uh, 50 or a hundred years ago where there was a boss telling people what to do. And so all you do is basically it'd be a person giving orders and then a bunch of people obeying orders. And uh, that there's plenty of holdovers into that. <laughs> there are <laughs> one CEO's definition of a team is a bunch of people sitting in a room do, doing what I say. <laughs> or, or I tell them what to do and they do it. And then I change it after that. <laughs> yeah. And it's because I said so. It gets even more fun, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, so that's dependence, and then of course, with innovation and uh, technology, really came the need for independence, where people actually brought themselves to work and did some did some thinking. But then, then people would start arguing because somebody would love one idea and somebody else would love another idea, and so then you've got independence, which uh, contributes a lot more in terms of what we can do. That's that's going to be innovative and contribute a lot of value, but then it, it all gets destroyed in the fight. So that doesn't work so well either. So then he talks about interdependence, and that's really what the, the book is about, is a, a kind of documenting the move, but they're great habits all the way along for de with dependence, independence, and interdependence. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it, it, with the focus of the book obviously being on the seven habits and then moving you to interdependence, and really interdependence is the we, right? And and they talk about combining the talents with the focus on the team, right? And that kind of reminds me of a, a little certain model we're a little fond of. Yeah, how about <laughs> that? And, you know, it's, it, it's also kind of interesting, too, because, uh, you, you know, the we – turned out to be not what everybody thought it was, you know, which is the we was like sacrificing yourself for the greater good and so on. And, and actually what we're, you know, we've uh, modified it to as a way where the individual can win at the same time as the team winning. Mm -hmm. and, so it's uh, both. It's I and we together. That's right. Actually, so I remember you, we did a podcast on the I, we, me, all or something. That's right. That's yeah. right. So uh, the mixture or the, the handoff is uh, where people actually, uh, you know, the roles change for the benefit of the, for the benefit of the team. And that's a really important distinction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because when you say, oh, everybody needs to be interdependent and listen to everybody, well, you're never going to get anything done. So you have to have the balance of not chucking everybody in a room and saying, good luck. Right. Uh, well, first, the first not chucking everybody in the room saying, do what I say, not chucking everybody in the room and saying, good luck, go ahead. Yeah. And Waiting then, for magic to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then the then not chucking everybody in the room and just saying, hey, you know, synergize and work together as a team. Well, the, the, here's the problem with that. How do you do it? <laughs> Yeah, right? that, puts so, the, that puts the sin in synergize. Exactly. And, and the funny thing is, is that you think, oh, great. Yes, that sounds good. But you're really outlining the problem more than you're outlining the specific solution, right? So you can say, oh, well, be interdependent. 
all right. <laughs> so, so from the big picture, it really sounds great. And everybody agrees, right, with these principles. I can't think of anybody that's not going to think about saying yes to what's outlined in the book. But, you know, a lot like a lot of business books, the, 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 it's too big of a picture, right? It, it, yeah. It's almost sophisticating the problem that you can enunciate, right? The sophistication of the problem, but then there's no real how. So you, you give a big picture solution, you read the book, you're so excited and you're like, oh, this is amazing and I feel enlightened, but then you gotta go back to work. <laughs> and you're do slimed something. again, slimed. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Try to, you try to make it work. And, and of course, you know, knowing something is great, except it's the booby prize. You've got yeah. to be able to do something. And mm -hmm. so you try to make it work. But, you know, the, the fact is, if these business books all did so well, then why is it that today 70% of the people still hate their jobs and 90% of the CEOs who get fired is usually because they can't get a new idea done in their, their own company that they manage and control. So. Mm -hmm. It's missing, you know, it's like Simon Sinek says, it's not the what or the, uh, the, what or the how, it's, it's the why first. But, you know, it's still not the what or the how after you have your why, it's the who and the when. You got it. Absolutely. And, and this is so critical because the, your biggest, best employee probably or team member or you know it, this could be anybody on your team right we've had discussed many times it could be your channel partner right that you're in a meeting with but you're raving teammates and that want to really put their debt on the universe your greatest assets are probably soaking in these business books be, i did i think i read one a week when i first started out in business and you know, they want to go out and they want to make these things happen and they've got high hopes, right? Especially the millennials these days, because they've grown up with, you know, kids becoming billionaires. Well, not kids, but, you know, 20 year olds and at least kids becoming millionaires. Right. And that was never really a thing of the past unless you were uh, born into money. And so they've got these high hopes. They want to go ahead and do something. And then they go. <laughs> you do that so much better than I do. And, it's and then all of a sudden they're feeling totally disappointed, right? Yeah. I yeah. wanted to do it and I, and I wanted so badly. It's not like they're not working hard. They just, you, you have to have a method to be able to make it work. Absolutely. And, you know, disappointment, I believe, is one of the most uh, destructive emotions in business and here we set people up all the time for dis disappointment i'll give you an extreme an extreme example of how people can you know go to a high high and wind up bitter and disengaged and that is uh you remember the ropes courses that people used to do <laughs> I, and, I did a couple of those yeah remember and, and, and then remember they gave you the wall and remember getting the last person over the wall so you did the right. ropes course but then you had to like you know chuck everybody over the wall but then you had to figure out how to work as a team to hold someone's hand to bring them up over the over the um you know yeah, like wall. you know the uh, the toughest uh uh shut down men are weeping and things like that and it's like this great great transformational moment and that's on a sunday we've spent the whole weekend on the on the ropes course and then we get back to 
work Monday and we're all excited. Hey, let's have a beer this week, you know, and uh, my former enemy is now my friend. Everything's great except for one thing. And that is that it's sort of like a metaphor where, where uh, let's say that my truck was parked on your foot and it hurt your foot. And, you know, we got back from the weekend and then you realize my truck was still parked on your foot. Now, what is, what is that a metaphor for? It's uh, It might be, uh, you know, if I were a shaker and I came up with ideas and you always used to critique my ideas, well, guess what? After the weekend, you'd probably still critique my ideas because it's your nature. Now, you might, you know, shut up about it for a day or two, not to make uh, problems, but pretty soon everybody goes back to their core nature. And if we ignore that, we ignore it at our own peril. And, you know, even with, the hoodoo model uh, and the hoodoo method, I mean, which is a business model, is that it's hard. This is difficult. This is not easy work. And it reminds me of this. It was a, uh, I don't know, it's probably what a month, six week long training. I think we met uh, with this company every two weeks for three hours or something. I can't remember the specifics of it, but it was a long-term training. Okay. That was my point. It wasn't just two days in and out. And so we play games with people just like you use the ropes course as a metaphor. We use many different games as a metaphor to learn the process. And the reason why we play a game is because we know when you go back to work, it's going to be hard to utilize it. So we actually play a game, teach the uh, model or the method. Why do I keep on saying model today? Um, and we teach the hoodoo method and then we play a game. All right. They, they learn the hoodoo and then the next time we come and we introduce a game and we give it to them. And sure enough, they go right back to their core nature. They don't remember what they learned the last time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's crazy because the games are designed to bring up the sort of barriers that you face, the obstacles that would make you think in the old way, like what you do with the obstacles. But then, it, you know, of course, you've learned this new method and you can think of it in the new way. And so, yeah, I know. Like, and, then, and, then, and then we give it to them again, right? A new game. And then they still do the same thing. And then we teach them, obviously, we go back and run the process and realize that if they spent 80% of the time running the process and 20% of the time doing, but we're taught to just get in and move, right? And by the way, number one, be proactive, right? It's like, right. wait, no, yeah, proactive, but still 80% of your time needs to be figuring out the idea and figuring out what you're going to do. Of course, we're talking about the ideation process, not the implementation, but the initial aspect of what are we going to do is, and this is the basis of a lot of meetings and three games they went through every single game. Actually, I think we played four and then we go back through and then again, run the process and show them that you took this amount of time and completely failed. It took you less time to run the process, go with it. And they, had incredible results, which we experience every single time you have a team and you have a facilitator to run the team. But we also know that when that happens, they have to go home, right? They, and then they have, so what we'll do is then we'll work on a true um, problem in business. And what do they do? Run right back home to mommy. So much so that when we start working on a new problem that's real, we often have to have each coordinator of work leave the room because yep. they don't know it well enough, right, to, to be able to, like, uh, 
to be able to facilitate because we, we can't deny who we are. And it's awesome that we're different and we can leverage that, but it gets so messy. And that's why it's really important to find the mover, right? Because yep. that mover is the only 15% of the population that accepts a new idea. They are very excited when they see things like this because they're a doer, right? So they want to do it. They want to, you know, and they're natural people, team orientated because they, even if they don't like them, they don't really care because they know they need them. And so it, and that's why you, and on top of it, you can teach the mover to allow everyone to have authority at the proper time that they need authority, whether they're a mover, shaker, approver, or a maker. Yeah. And then keep them in their own lane when yes. they don't have that authority. Yes. It's old habits die really hard. And so if you've been doing something the same for your entire career, uh, you know, it's, it's got to cut everybody a little slack. It takes a few times to really get the, the new habit integrated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, and so here, what do we, what do most companies are stuck with instead of a process for getting things done? They're stuck with org charts. And it's uh. like, okay, Carla, you own customer service, so you must know everything about it. And everybody else shut up while Carla talks about customer service. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's a lot of bloviated meetings that people have and nothing gets done. And that's why we got, we have to move from function management to role management. Yes. Maybe it's not about the job person, title. You're a mover. Yeah. Yep. It's not about the job title. It's about what you, what your core nature of work is, what you are brilliant at. And everybody thinks you also need to be a, a specialist in like technology. That's not true. Your core nature of work can be leveraged. And oftentimes you can bring a different perspective because somebody has been looking at something for so long. And yeah. so it's not just about being the person, the go-to person for marketing, because somebody who never marketed can bring your, can open your space with their core nature of work that you never even thought of. Absolutely. The most brilliant ideas come from out of context, not in context. The more a person knows, the more they get stuck and calcified in their own point of view. So by sh shifting that whole thing and having the right people in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, then all kinds of new perspectives get in and they don't, it doesn't get messy because you just keep handing it off. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about these seven habits that we love, completely yeah. agree with. Everybody's going to say these things are fantastic. However, we're going to also juxtapose a little bit about then utilizing the method. And we're going to do them real quick because seven's obviously a lot of habits uh, to take in. But the first is be proactive. Oh, I've kind of already talked about that one. Yes. And so there, <laughs> now that's the uh, be proactive is a, a habit of a highly effective person. And now there's a, a habit of a highly defective person and that's being proactive. Now what does proactive <laughs> mean? That means whenever we're going to do so one of my bros and we're going to go out, we're going to have a couple of beers and we're going to talk about this and uh, the rest of you can kind of sit on the sidelines because it's me and my posse who are doing this. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the top of the org chart. And I'm being proactive. That's funny. And so, and, and then the next uh, uh, habit is beginning with the end in mind. And everybody knows that you need to have a business plan. Everybody knows you need to think about your exit strategy. Everybody knows it in personal life. Everybody knows that you need to have a trust. 
right? Or a will, depending on your, you know, what you need. Everybody knows that, but executing is a whole different situation. And so utilizing the method can get it from, yes, this is a good idea. This is solid, but you, a great idea is nothing without it being implemented. That's right. The end in mind is not enough. You've got to have the end actually accomplished. Exactly. And so the third is put first things first. And this actually came from the Eisenhower matrix that Covey used. And he actually has a book, uh, First Things First, that I've uh, probably read twice because I'm yep. a mover and I want to know how to. <laughs> Right. Priorities, naturally. Priorities, exactly. And so the thing about putting first things first is, is that, well, everyone's good. Okay. So I'll do this from a mover perspective. Everyone thinks, I always say makers eat checklists for breakfast. And people ask me, why do I have five different checklists for different things on my desk? Well, here's the thing. Most of the things I'm not doing but I'm managing the things that need to be done and going to the appropriate person at the appropriate time. So while I love the Eisenhower matrix and that's an entire podcast in its own right, at the same time, a maker is going to look at a checklist different than a prover, than a mover, than a shaker, completely different. And how do you quarterback that checklist where it's not just a checklist where nothing gets done the next day? Like how many times have you written a checklist and something's been on there for two weeks? Like yep. I get it, put first things first, but you still have to move that forward, right? And uh, we probably should do a podcast just on that thing. We could do it on that book, put first. Well, there's things a book, first. yeah, because that, that that was the one everybody uh, everybody in their feedback said uh, we want a book on this yeah. one, and they all kept saying first things first, first things first. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down on my checklist. Yeah, good one. Get somebody else to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you always have a different parody for this one. Of course. Uh, so the uh, highly effective person says first things first, and the highly defective person says worst things first. Yeah. And, Social uh, media on Monday morning. <laughs> we yes, exactly, because of all the unengaged people, and of course, all also all the you know when the boss finally decides and picks the idea because they're the boss. Oftentimes, they'll pick the worst idea. So there you go off with these mm -hmm. priorities. So instead of Instead of the matrix being important and urgent, uh, the worst things first uh, matrix for highly defective people is instead of uh, important and urgent, it's stupid and unpleasant. Always do the stupid and unpleasant thing first. <laughs> you crack me up. Okay, so those first three are we're under the category in Covey's book for independence, right? These are the things that you're gonna show up and do every day and contribute to the team. All right. Mm -hmm. So now let's move to the fourth habit, which now we're moving into interdependence. Remember, this is the whole oh. we focus. And so that habit is think win-win. I love this one really actually irritates me because people don't know what that means because think about it. A, a shaker is win. Their win feels like you took my idea. Right. Yep. But, but that is not going to work because that's one person making the decision. Right. A mover is going to think win win when the entire team is allowing them to quarterback the process because they hate to be in meetings that nothing happens. They hate it when something doesn't get done that they know should be done. And so and then again, prover looks at win win totally different and maker 
probably doesn't care that much. They just want to go back to their desk and eat their checklist. (laughs) And so when you say think win-win, it's like, yeah, the mindset is awesome. And everybody says, yes, it's just, how do you, how do you execute win-win? Right. (laughs) It's crazy. And so, and then you go back to work and you want to like think win-win you sit at your desk and I got to think win-win. Well, we can all sit around the, you know, um, fire and sing kumbaya too. It's like at the end of the day, you got to get something done. So the next one I really, really enjoy. And I actually, um, this is probably something that, you know, um, the hoodoo method can add to, but it's a principle that I think everybody and I could do way better at this as well. But it really is interesting when you think first to understand, then to be understood. But the hoodoo method can allow you to understand their core nature of work too, because it's hard to understand somebody's perspective of what they bring to the table as far as work without understanding the thing that they do best. Right. And so I think that part and the way the hoodoo method can help is highlighting what somebody is because we go to shakers and say, squirrel, I chief idea fairy, your head's in the clouds, right? We don't focus on what they're good at. Movers, we go, gosh, you're so bossy. You always have to be in charge. Provers, gosh, you're a naysayer. You know, makers are, yeah, makers, you never have an original idea, right? So it's hard to understand somebody's core nature of work because when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Right. Right. So yeah, it's a really good point. So it's a whole, it's a whole different way of understanding that really completes the picture. Yes. Yes. You got it. And whenever so the- I, whenever I look at seek first to understand all I can think of is the, uh, the cartoon that, uh, where she says, I emote, I consider his feelings. I, I seek to understand. And then he says, my style is different. I wait till her lips stop moving and then talk about myself some more. <laughs> That's what a lot of people do. And honestly, I have to be aware of this, but you know, when you're, when you see somebody's core nature of work, you can manage it because everyone's different. Your understanding of them is going to be different. So if you're a shaker and you're having to work with a prover, you better understand that person's a prover because no matter how much you try to understand them, you can't see work through their eyes. As hard as you try, you can understand that they see it differently and understand how they see it, but you're never going to put their glasses on because the, you can, it's impossible. Yep. You know, and, and it was funny. Uh, we were keynoting a talk um, out with one of our, our other uh, trainers. And I'll never forget when uh, he looked over at me and cause I can be, you know, I'm a D on the disc and I'm also a mover. So I want things done. I want them done yesterday. And I don't care if I have to pull a 24 hour shift. I said, I was going to do it. It's going to be done and it's going to be excellent. That's just, unfortunately that can, I can leave dead bodies in my wake if I'm not aware of it. <laughs> and so we were doing this huge two day event and uh, he looked over at me and he goes, you know what? Sometimes you drive me crazy because you're a mover and a D, but today I'm pretty happy you are because you know you go out there and it's excellent. But how awesome is that to be highlighted for what you are versus constantly beat down for what you're not? And that happens yep. so often. It's hard to understand that other person's perspective. And so the last uh, set uh, that's the seven habit, which is under under the synergize category, is what Covey has is sharpen the saw. Basically, all that means is go take a break every once in a while. By the way, I can learn from that one too, right? So, uh, and everybody knows the parody is who's going to 
cut down a tree faster. The one that just keeps on chopping and chopping and chopping or the one that start, stops to sharpen their saw every once in a while. And that sharpen the saw could also be, you know, um, learn a new technique, right? It, 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 he was just using it as a parody. Yep. So I think you have your own parody on this one. Oh yeah, well the the highly effective person sharpens the saw and uses the Japanese uh, idea of kaizen, kaizen, however you pronounce it. I think they usually say kaizen in English, but I think it, kaizen is actually the proper. Yeah. Word. So, uh, but I like zen because it's you know kaizen. It's like zen. And uh, so the highly defective person that doesn't sharpen the saw, they sharpen the shovel and uh, <laughs> do it with kaka zen. And uh, sorry about that. And, uh, but what they do is constantly improve the way we shovel the BS in and out. So that's, uh, that's a highly defective person uh, sharpening the shovel. Yeah, I love that. It's so true though, right? It's like, how are you going to shovel some more BS around? Let's just get down to making something happen and getting things done. I think that was also another book we might have to do a, a podcast on getting things done because we probably have a lot to say about that. So just a little bit. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. As always, Alan, I love these podcasts. I love business books and I really love uh, helping our listeners then utilize these business books to be able to get what you want done and remove that disappointment that you have when you've read, uh, what, did, what book did I read? Uh, Michael Gerber. Um, oh, the, uh, the E-Myth? Yes, I read that book seven times. I'm not joking. Seven times, it made me excited when I read it, and then I had to go to work. <laughs> I would sit there and go, work on your business, in your business, work on your business. How, okay, yeah. how do I separate those, right? Because I had to do both, but that's for another podcast. So thank you so much. And for our listeners, you can go to thepeoplecatalyst.com and uh, reach out and we'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. And we've got plenty of podcasts there as well. And until next time, Alan. Thank you, Carla. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.